Welcome, everybody, to the Tag You're It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And who do we have on the line? I am Don. Don Vinoy. Vino. Don Don Vino. I always want to give the T. Yeah. (laughs) Don Vino. Don, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I have been on your program, and I was really impressed and blessed with the opportunity to do so. I want to thank you for allowing me to come on two times, and I want to also thank you for being so gracious as to endorse my little booklet on inerrancy. It will be out on April 5th. We actually had to move the date back just a little bit, so um, I really appreciated that. And actually, I should say, the major motivation for us having you on here is because, of course, you are part of the ISCA, International Society Mm -hmm. of Christian Apologetics, as we are. Uh, You are one of the founding members, isn't that correct? Charter member, yeah. There Uh you go. And while we were at a conference, the witnesses... I think a Midwest Witnesses for Jesus. It might have been uh, the name Witnesses of the now for Jesus Midwest. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, we were there. I ran into you. You were so gracious. I was scooting around on my scooter uh, at that particular point, and uh, you were talking about this book on the Enneagram, and our mutual friend, Phil Roberts, had told me, you need to do everything you can to understand the Enneagram. That's really important. And I said, I only know about the Enneagram because I heard... Um, one person speak about it, and I didn't really know what everything was. It was, it was Russell Moore, actually, in a video speaking about it. And I began to think, well, this is an interesting thing. I don't really know exactly what's going on there. And that was kind of my motivation for reaching out to you. <laughs> so uh, just begin, if you don't mind, by just telling us a few little things, Don. You've told us that, of course, you are the director and president of Midwest Christian Outreach. But tell us a little bit about your background, how you mm-hmm. got involved in apologetics, because I always think that that's one of the most fun things to learn about, the various ways that I hear. And I think there's patterns in that narrative, but it's always interesting to be able to hear that. In fact, Someday I'm going to put together all the narratives that we've heard about how people get into apologetics and, you know, write some paper on yeah. that. <laughs> well, I, uh, okay, I grew up as an atheist, actually. My father was an atheist. He wasn't a philosophical atheist. Uh, he wasn't highly educated. He just didn't believe in God because it was inconvenient. Uh, he had forbidden my mother uh, from going to church after they married. And so I had really not a lot of exposure to religious experience. Uh, Occasionally I'd go to church with a friend or something, but I never saw it as uh, compelling. uh, And uh, I didn't see that they behaved any differently than I did. And so I just didn't really buy into it. Met a young woman, uh, young lady, uh, when I was 15 and she was 15 and we started dating. She should have dated me. She was a Christian. Uh, she shouldn't have got engaged to me. She was a Christian, and she clearly shouldn't have married me, and she did all three, and I'm glad that she did. Uh, we've been married now 50 years. Amen. What I, what I didn't know is her grandfather started praying for me for two things. One, that I would become a believer. Two, that I would get into the ministry. Oh, man. Uh, uh, six years later, we had our son. Uh, I, well, three years later, we married. Three years after that, we had our son. So six years, he's praying for me. Uh, my wife woke up in the hospital with this new child going, oh no, I'm responsible for this young boy. What am I going to teach him? We started her on a pursuit to figure out, does God actually exist? Uh, and she rededicated her life to Christ, but then had a problem. I'm married to an atheist. What do I do with that? (laughs) So she asked me if I would read some books and I said, sure. I mean, I thought about it and and I realized, well, joy is surely wants something uh badly she's going to get it anyway so it's just easier to give in early uh, <laughs> and so i agreed and i also didn't think it would be very persuasive because i hadn't met too many what i would call articulate christians at that point in my life yeah so i read them and i started having problems because i came to the realization that um I couldn't answer the question of where we came from. So I couldn't say God doesn't exist. The best I could say is I don't know. 
And so I couldn't really be honest and an atheist. Yeah. So I shifted to becoming an agnostic. Now, the late Norm Geiser used to say that there's two kinds of agnostics, an ordinary agnostic and an ordinary agnostic. An ordinary agnostic says, I don't know if God exists and you don't either, so leave me alone. Best thing there is just buy him coffee and go on your way. <laughs> uh, an ordinary agnostic says, I don't know if God exists, but I'm open to information. And I went through each of those stages. I came to the realization that the Bible is fundamentally reliable. The text we have is 99% accurate to what was originally penned. Now, that doesn't mean inspired. It just means reliable. Mm. What turned it for me was the resurrection. We have this guy in Scripture saying he's going to raise himself from the dead, and then did. So I thought, I probably should listen to him more than someone who'd never raised himself from the dead. That has more credibility. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that's how I became a believer. That's a, I've not heard quite the uh, same narrative of how you got into yeah. apologetics. I mean, we've listened, we've, we've had so many guests on, that's like one of the first things we ask. And so I love to hear how God drew someone into what I believe. Again, I'm very much uh, presuppositional, and we've talked a little bit about that, that the gospel proclamation is the defense of the gospel. And of course, Adam, that's his big yeah. thing as well. So um, with that said, we did have some prepared questions. Are you at a, a point where we can jump into some of those i am sure. yeah Absolutely. so yeah so the big uh, thing that we uh wanted you on tonight for is to talk about enneagram um you are an author of a book on enneagram as well and so what is the name of the book uh, for everybody um that's listening to this podcast well the name of the book is richard roar and the enneagram secret um what is the enneagram okay well first uh as long as you're recording it i'm going to show you this uh, if I can figure out, mm -hmm. can you see it? Yeah, uh, we see it. Okay. Uh, that is what it looks like. Uh, it's a, uh, ge geometric design, mm -hmm. uh, that originally did not have numbers on it. Uh, and, uh, so it was designed by a, a guy named, uh, George Gurdjieff and first revealed in Moscow in 1915. For George Gurdjieff, this was the explanation of everything in the universe. Uh, mm. You could explain everything in the universe through the use of the Enneagram. Mm. Uh, so that's what it is. Uh, it's, uh, you know, three geometric figures that touch at nine points around the circle. And I had seen that, like, on different things. You know, I mean, at the conference, you had the button that you were... Right. giving away as a gift with the with a purchase of the book and of course right. my daughter has that now on her bag but of course it has the x to it but I, but i think i've seen people with just that design on, as a button just like you have except with the x on it and i didn't know what it was i just assumed nope. that it was somehow a part of uh my assumption anyways was that it was like a part of 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 some personality test. I mean, that was kind of what what I assumed. Well, I, I, a lot of people do make that assumption. It is not. That's that's the first problem. So, um, and it sort of is passed off as kind of a personality test, but it has spiritual claims to it. Now, to get mm -hmm. there, you have to kind of run down, run through the history. And by the way, if people go, we can make this a little easy. If they go to EnneagramSecret.com, EnneagramSecret.com, that's a website we have dedicated to the book. There's tons of videos on there, uh, reviews of our book. Uh, there's a 10-minute segment that Marsha Montenegro, our co-author, did on, uh, on the history of the Enneagram. Um, uh, also, it recently, the Enneagram Institute, which is a New Age organization, by the way, uh, founded by New Agers, run pr primarily by New Agers, uh, have a statement on there that the Enneagram has been scientifically validated. Hmm. That's not true. Yeah, you so just uh, yeah, you just uh, sent this out to us uh, today, and I started to uh, to read it. So you know, I want to discuss a little bit more on um, what you have studied with that uh, so-called validation. Anyway, um, you know, later <laughs> yeah. like, later in the conversation as well. Right. So that's very interesting that they've tried to do that. 
So you talked about what it is, uh, the guy who presented it for the first time saying that it explained everything in the universe, but I want to get to a, a more foundational piece, and that is like, what are the basic presuppositions of individuals who advocate for and are proponents of? Because uh, just as it seems it's a design, it has some spiritual implications, New Agers like it, but what is the foundational assumptions that those who are pushing the Enneagram advocate for? Okay. It's going to get a little complicated, so That's we okay. need to do some basic history and rundown on what it has been. Yeah, yeah. And how it got to be where it is now. And to do that, I would, I would <clears throat> conjecture a question first. Would you use astrology as a Christian tool for discipleship? Obviously, no. No. Why? No. Because it is based on a flawed worldview, and it is a synchronistic methodology. So I would be bringing something that was actually abhorrent to Scripture into right. my church and saying, oh no, we can mesh this. Mm -hmm. And if right. anyone who was who has read anything in the Old Testament recognizes that that doesn't work, uh, that right. is, again, abhorrent to God. Right. It, it derives from occultism. And so you need to write it out right there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the Enneagram started with George Gurdjieff, who was a mystic and esoteric okay. uh, individual. Uh, he dabbled with it for quite a number of years. Uh, and it only really existed within sort of new age circles before it was called new age, esoteric sorts of characters. In the 1960s, it was picked up by uh, um, um, Oscar Achazo, who is Bolivian, uh, and he had started a, an esoteric school in Chile. Uh, now, he picked it up and started dabbling with it and assigned what he called uh, ego fixations to it. He e got those ego fixations, right? Okay, yeah. So, so now you have numbers and ego fixations, which he got from two angels, he tells us. One named Metatron, one named the Green Ketub. So he's got his information from an occultic source. He had a disciple, Claudio Naranjo, who through automatic writing added the personality types that are now on the Enneagram. So the numbering system, the personality types all came through those avenues. From there, it got it was shifted to Salem, which is a sort of a new agey place, Big Sur, California. A lot of drug culture, uh, psychedelics, that sort of thing. And this is kind of in the 60s, 70s at this point? 60s, 70s at this point. Claudia Naranjo went there and taught it to a guy named Bob Oaks, who was a Roman Catholic, who then passed it on to two, several other priests, but two I will mention. One is Father Mitch Pacwa, who ended up writing a book hmm. exposing it as occultic, stay away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I know uh, that uh, Pacwa has been a Roman Catholic apologist, mm -hmm. and he is even yeah. saying, man, stay away from this stuff. Right, right. In fact, I, we read his book in 92. I know Mitch, and uh, we read his book in 1982, and we thought, oh, that'll never be in the church. We didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> hmm. uh, so, uh, so that's how that got in, and then it got to Richard Rohr. Now, Richard Rohr has become essentially the theologian for the progressive church. Hmm. He gave it his theology. So when you think about types, you said their personality types. Here's what one of the leading writers, Christopher Huertz, writes. He did his book in 2017 uh, called The Sacred Enneagram. So the Enneagram is sacred, hmm. right? It isn't just a personality test like DISC or Myers-Briggs. It is sacred. This is a spiritual tool. And they tell you this. This isn't a type of person, but a path to God. Hmm. This isn't just to figure out, you know, why am I loud and brash or why am I reticent? No, this is to figure out which path you have to take to get to God. Uh, and why is that? Well, because you have never been separated from God. Your true self has always been with God. You have created a false self that thinks you're separated from God and a sinner. Uh, and so the Enneagram, the whole purpose is for you to figure out which path to get back to the realization that you've never been a sinner. 
Yeah, and I, I was listening earlier today. You were interviewed on Bot Radio Network. Um, uh, what was her name? Last name's Mefford, right? Um, you were oh, on Janet, that show. Janet yeah, Janet Mefford. Yeah. And she was kind of like, here's where she sort of asked, you know, this is kind of like Hinduism. And, you know, it's not, I, it sounds like it could be a kin or whatever, and it's not. Um, but my sort of question here, instead of going to Hinduism, I would like to ask, what do you know how this is connected to anything sort of Freemasonry? Um, because really whenever you get into it um there is a sense in which there are um like i think uh, albert Schweitzer is one of their main quotes that you know we're all trying to find our way um you know we, well, there's like and there's like a neutral territory there and they do utilize um geometry and and they sort of teach a yeah, the, sort of the, mathematic the, thing yeah there, there's no direct connection to freemasonry okay. Uh, this comes largely the theology comes from um, Richard Rohr, who is who is a panentheist, which yeah. is different than a pantheist, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, a panentheist. He and he he teaches that God is bigger than the cosmos, but the cosmos is God's body. That's what a panentheist is. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I've so, never yeah. heard of it until today. <laughs> it's, it, well, this is this becomes really important because. Uh, the universe is the first incarnation of Christ, according to Rohr. Mm -hmm. We are part of creation. So guess what? That means we are Christed. Yeah. So this whole idea of being separated from God, which is what the Bible tells us, isn't true. Uh, in fact, he goes on to teach that the Bible... Uh, was written by people who were trying their best to understand God, but they didn't always get it right. Yeah. And so he doesn't try to change the text, he says. He changes the reader of the text. Now, that's postmodernism. Yes. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So, So you define the terms in the Bible. You give it meaning. It doesn't have meaning on its own. Yes, that's their basic, yeah, understanding of how communication works. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right, okay. So, uh, so the Enneagram is your path to God. God is bigger than the cosmos, but the cosmos is his body. That's the first incarnation of Christ. Jesus, yes, was born, and he's divine, but then we're all kind of divine. And he became the Christ at the resurrection. Hmm. Because Christ is total union with the cosmos. Mm -hmm. I don't see how this is in the church, frankly. No, uh, it's just crazy to me. And this is what is probably the most, I guess, absurd component is that there's been this fascination that I see with personality tests, personality types. Uh, when I was a missionary when i was a baptist student union missionary we come in and they're like oh you all need to read this book on personality types and take it right. had nothing to do with the enneagram by the way nothing right. to do. and i right. did this little thing and i thought well that's that's interesting i've heard other people say oh hey you're a green personality or whatever you know and and i i think that there's this idea that is inherent in in everyone well we want to really know like what type do we fall into what category do we fall into we like to have a, a specialty or a group that we identify with and so i think part of the draw is that someone says well i want to know i want to know my spiritual uh my spiritual gifting and when you connect a personality test with spiritual gifting i think that's where you get this this fascination with it does that make sense and then likewise does that make i mean because i i again yes. i don't know everything what, what about it offering it? you what, what is it offering you it is offering you the road back to you mm. everything now becomes about you not about christ it's not about god it is about how can i do better how can i live better how can i it is a self-focus yes all personality tests are self-focused. Self-focused. That's what they are. So walk me through a little something because this is something that I am very curious about. Simply because I have tried to stay away from the enneagram since I've been told don't mess with it. You know, uh, read the first two chapters of your book, and then uh, someone decided that they would take my book. And I'm not joking. Yes. <laughs> it's a, it's a nice lady at my church who's a great reader, and so I'm just surprised she hasn't given okay, it back she can to give me. Give me a book report too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if I 
are, if, if I'm an individual and I think, oh, hey, this Enneagram thing is fascinating, what is the procedure that I kind of go through and begin to, you know, do I answer some questions? And I mean, how does that work? You know, when you have the numbers, what do they mean and, and how do they interconnect in that diagram? Okay. I know this For, wasn't one of our prepared questions, but like my mind no, just that, begins that, to run fine. on this. Mm -hmm. the, the way this operates is they have a test that you can take. Okay. Uh, uh, there's a, a couple of them, I think. One of them is on the uh, Enneagram Institute website. Okay. Uh, and you take the test and you answer some questions and then it comes out and says, okay, you are a a one or a three or a seven or whatever it is. Now, what they realized pretty early on is nobody is 100% any of those numbers. And so they're having trouble making it work. So they created then something they call wings. So you could be a seven with a uh, an eight wing or a six wing. It means you have some elements of one or other or both of these. Uh now, that's the first thing you do. And then once you get that, you go, oh, yeah, that is totally me. Uh, now, others around you go, no, that's not you. And that is because of this. We, it's called the Barna effect. Yeah. Huh? We, uh, the Barnum effect, we see ourselves in a certain way. And we're doing tests like this. We throw stuff out, which is true of us. We don't think about, and we add stuff in to come up with a personality. And yeah. so it's a flawed test as a result of that. Mm -hmm. uh, it is no different. In fact, the, the astrology I asked about yeah. is a more accurate description of your personality than the Enneagram is. Hmm. That surprises people when we tell them that. <laughs> so I can believe that because obviously the astrology has been doing it for, you know, a few hundred a years. Time. The Enneagram is not quite as is old, so they haven't been able to tweak things. But here's right. the thing that gets, you know, very concerning to me with this. Um, I pulled up an ad where Russell, an ad, a, a video where Russell Moore is talking about the benefits of it. Uh, that's a pretty big voice. You know, we're both Southern Baptists. I, I know that, that you're not, but you affiliate with a lot of Southern Baptists. You know a lot of Absolutely. Southern Baptist folks, have right. good friends that are Southern Baptists. Absolutely. Uh, we have a, an individual like Dr. Moore, who is advocating for this. We have individuals in our churches who are trying to get their spiritual gifts, right? And they bring something like the Enneagram in. How do you negotiate that? What do you do with these individuals? Because to me, if someone comes into my church... And God bless them. I don't think that someone in my church means anything in any ill way, right? Uh, I, the majority of the folks who are going to go to my church are going to bring something in. Maybe they've been members for a while. They've never heard that the Enneagram is bad. They just heard, oh, take this personality right. test. Right. How do you, I mean, I'm thinking from a pastoral perspective. I realize that because well, I am a pastor. How do you, mm. how do you address that? From, from, from a pastoral perspective, I, I would say it's no different in a sense than dealing with someone who's in a cult. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or in a different worldview. You have to find out why they are what they are invested and how invested are they? Mm -hmm. See, those are two big questions. Mm -hmm. What attracted you to it? And, and then you can kind of figure out how invested they are. Mm -hmm. Because if they're really invested in this, it's going to be a more of a difficult process. Yeah. Right? They self-identify with it now. It is me. Uh, and if you bring up things like it was, it came from the occult. Well, not everything from the occult is bad. Uh, God <laughs> can redeem anything. Yeah. Well, we deal with that in a book, actually. Yeah. And, and, and we say, no, God can't redeem anything. Yeah, he can redeem uh, humans. They are redeemable. Uh, he will redeem the creation. It tells us that he doesn't redeem sin or occultic practices. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you get into the Old Testament, and what did Josiah do? He he demolished all of the high the places, altar. right? You know, yeah. like he heard the law of God. He rips his clothes, and then he goes and leads the people to demolish all of the high places. And so that's what God wanted and God rewarded him for that. And that generation of people that were there um, experienced God's blessing. So yeah, God, like you said, does not um, clear the guilty for one. 
And, right. you know, and he, and so he, these things that make people guilty that people do, he does not redeem. And so, yeah, this, this does not uh, go, go together. You can't uh, syncretize these things, you know, like I guess you can say in a Hegelian dialectic here, you can't have two antithetical things to then go, well, we've, we've held them in tension for so long, might as well mash them together so that we can tolerate yeah. it. Right. Right. Right, yeah. right. He, he, he doesn't redeem adultery. He had dream, redeems adulterers. Yes, mm, amen. yes. And right. washes them. And then, as Paul said, as such, you know, such were some of you. That implies Correct. not Correct. anymore. So, so from a pastoral standpoint, that's one of the things you want to kind of sort out: is how invested are they in this? Uh, secondly, then it, you don't have to be the bad guy in this. Mm which if they're pretty invested is going to be what'll happen. You could say, you know, I have a book. I would appreciate since you're really involved with this and I don't know as much about it as you do. Would you read this book? And if it is wrong, tell me where it is wrong. Mm, yeah. Okay. Now what that does, it forces them to deal with the information, not from you where they're going to feel like they have to have a fight with the pastor over this but with someone they've never met before. And I'm okay with being a bad guy. I'm a bad guy for a lot of people. <laughs> so problem, yeah. problem for me. Uh, that is really helpful for some people. Oddly enough, the ones I have seen the most invested in it are pastors and celebrities who brought it in or mm. um, uh, promoted it. Mm. Andy Stanley, big promoter of it. And, right. you know, I would say that he's not a pastor anyway, but that's beside the <laughs> well, point right now. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's yeah. not a subject for today's discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's viewed as a pastor. He's a celebrity pastor and a big spokesman, very good friends with Ian Cron, who's one of the authors of uh, the Enneagram books. Hmm. Uh, Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile did the first. Here's how this works. Prior to 2016, it was strictly in a new age and occultism. Hmm. In 2016, InterVarsity Press uh, put the first book into the Christian market with hmm. The Road Back to You, Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron. In hmm. 2017, uh, Christopher Huertz, uh, his book came out with uh, Zondervan. Uh, yeah, Zondervan. Uh, so then we had two books in there, and Marcia and I were a little concerned, and she started writing some stuff on it. In 2019, uh, Thomas Nelson Publishers put out a nine-volume set by Beth McCord, Presbyterian. Mm. Now, uh, Suzanne Stabile was trained by Richard Rohr. Ian Cron teaches at Richard Rohr's uh, uh, retreat center. Uh, they are both panentheists, I, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Uh, uh, Christopher Huertz was trained by Richard Rohr. Are you getting a picture here? How these yes. Connected? Yeah. <laughs> so there's Beth a there's McCord, a bigger yeah there's a bigger shepherd behind this um, than just shepherd the shepherds that are throwing this out there. There there That's is the right. one connection. Yes. That's the one connection. Beth McCord says that she has been training on this for over twenty years. Uh, she's one of the bigger names out there. Uh, she's trained over six hundred enneagram coaches for. Uh, a, a fee. She will train you to be an Enneagram coach, and then you can start your own business teaching the Enneagram. Uh, Presbyterian, nine-volume set. To do it for 20 years, that means she's been trained only by New Agers, only by New Agers mm. in the Enneagram. And we have the names of who trained her, and they are all New Agers. Mm. So, here's one of my big concerns. You've named some people, you know, that have gotten behind it. I think the biggest name you've given is Andy Stanley. Right. I love Dr. Moore, Russell Moore, many, many positive things about him. I don't buy everything that he says, but there's nobody who I agree with a hundred percent. I mean, Adam is really close, but <laughs> I mean that pretty sincerely, you know, I, there's a lot of things I certainly agree with, with Adam on. I mean, he teaches me a lot of things. I'm grateful for that. As a Southern Baptist, I'm concerned about someone like Dr. Moore getting this and putting it out in our churches, and you hear nothing in conservative circles about why this is a serious problem. I mean, your book is the only one that I know of about this, and uh, 
what B&H needs to get behind it and start pumping it out. I mean, since you've come up with your book, I mean, you've been able to be on a few different interviews like this, but what are people responding with? You know, some of these bigger names, have they given you any attention? Have you been able to engage any of them? And how do we even reach those kind of individuals? Well, you know, the, the problem, we have a couple of problems. One is, you're right, we're, ours is really the only book out there uh, currently. There, there is one other one, but this this one uh, has uh, been, uh, even the guy who wrote the other book uh, has endorsed our book. Uh, so what we're up against is this. There are over, th at this point, I remember 2019, there were about 9, 10, 11 pro Enneagram books in the Christian market. Today, there are over 30. This is mm. a cash cow. This is yeah. big money for Christian uh, presses. Uh, who have we gotten to? Well, you can see the endorsers are like uh, uh, H. Wayne House wrote the foreword. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, uh, Phil, there's a bunch of really high-profile endorsers. Uh, but that doesn't get you anywhere necessarily. We need celebrity Christians to speak out to say you need to get this book. And we're just not able to get to them. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Al Muller, I'll drop this name. I have written another package to him. Uh, he sent me a letter. I sent him a copy of the book right after it came out. And he sent a letter back which says, uh, this, oh, the need for this kind of work, uh, we need this kind of work for the Enneagram. Thank you for sending me a copy. So he recognizes that this needs to be done, mm -hmm. uh, but at no point has he offered to talk about it on any of his webcast, podcasts, or anything like that. Uh, other than writing to him, I have no direct connection to him. But that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we have we have uni Christian universities and seminaries that are now hosting Enneagram uh, teachings on campus hmm. because they don't know. It's not because they are running after. They're going. It's how do I? Oh, let me do it this way. Do you know what the Good Old Boy Network is? Yes. <laughs> okay. For those who don't know, I'm going to explain it. The Good Old Boy Network works like this. Pastor Joe has a friend named Pastor Fred. Pastor Fred has a program he said he's been using to some good effect, and he recommends it to Pastor Joe. Pastor Joe goes, oh, I trust Pastor Fred. Program must be good. I'll bring it in my church. Hmm. Uh, they then pass it on to some of their friends. Nobody really checks it out. Uh, other than Pastor Fred and Pastor Joe like it, and so it must be okay. And pretty soon you find it everywhere in the church. We had that with Gwen Shamblin and Wade on Workshop. Think about this. A woman starts what they thought was a diet program. She is in 30, by the time we caught on to it, she's in 30,000 churches across 60 denominations because nobody bothered to check her theology. Mm -hmm. She denies the Trinity. She denies the deity of Christ. And she denies salvation by grace alone through Christ alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. Mm -hmm. 30,000 churches. How did that happen? Because nobody paid attention. When we exposed it, nobody really wanted to say anything except a funny thing happened. Christianity Today read our press release, called Gwen Shamblin to ask her about it. She affirmed what we said was true and then said, I, I could kiss her for this. <laughs> Women don't care about doctrine. They just want to lose weight. Hmm. I had women around the country calling me saying, we want her out of our church today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We need that moment with this Enneagram. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's, there's, this is a, not just a Enneagram thing. This can happen uh, no matter what, because like, because, because we trust the expert, you know, we have a lot of right. uh, congregations out there that um, they are not necessarily, uh, they, they've left it up to their pastor. They're bringing um, their friends and family in to let their pastor preach the gospel to them because they won't, they don't think. Maybe they, well, I mean, there could be the reason they don't think that it's their place. They've never been taught and made an example for that. No, this is for everybody. 
And I, you know, it's like I'm not the expert, and we know that Jesus said that that the uh, the student doesn't get become greater than, the, than his master, right? That he becomes like him, and that's what right. elders are supposed to draw their congregations to. But we don't have that, so this stuff has free reign um, in a in an environment where the church isn't being the church, and where you do right. have those cross checks because people so, so, have been trained to do that. To do that, so here's yeah. I want to go back to David's question. Mm-hmm. What do we do with this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I propose this. Everything we need to know about why we do what we do is in Scripture. Yeah. So what we really need is pastors, young pastors, old pastors, middle-aged pastors, whatever they are, and elders who are discipling their people in Scripture to be more like Christ. Yeah. Now, that's going to be different for different kinds of people. You know, I am pretty out there, social, you know, jibber-jabber, whatever. I can talk with anybody just about any time, share the gospel. My wife, who is smarter than I am, is more reticent to do that. Mm-hmm. It isn't that she can't do that. She's just not as social as I am. Uh, it doesn't mean anything other than we're just different. And we see those differences in the text of Scripture. Mm-hmm. God uses all sorts of people in spite of themselves, not because of themselves. Mm, and I so, like that. As, right. So, as we focus more on Christ, then we start asking a different set of questions. The question isn't how can I be a better person. The question is how can I serve David? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The question isn't how can I earn more money to make to pay more of a tithe to the church or whatever. The question is how can I make sure that my neighbor has food this week. Yeah. Right. Hmm. How can I serve those around me? Now, you know, I love apologetics and I really am a firm believer. I think apologetics is a two-sided tool. Uh, And you use apologetics to train people into the faith Mm -hmm. and then use them to train them after they're in the faith. Amen. You disciple people into the faith, and you disciple them after they are in the faith. Yes. You are always discipling. Amen. I I speak on this in my church, and one of my points is, which my pastor loves, uh, I tell them, everyone in this room is discipling. Mm -hmm. You're either doing a good job or a bad job, but Mm -hmm. you are discipling. Well said. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's that's absolutely true. And so um just to kind of reiterate, you know, um you're talking about these, you know, the circle with all these lines, each uh one of those numbers uh represents like you said a path. Right? right. So like path whenever so you answer these certain questions, you you whatever however it is to get that line to ba- to basically be straight back to you. Um what where in scripture um, where do you find the best um, just starting point when you're talking about um, your identity and your path that um, that we can give these people just the, the basic starting point of a conversation? If somebody goes, hey, I got this Enneagram, it tells me I am this and now I am going this way. What is the first good conversation you can have, the first good scriptural starting point to go, no, here's your identity, here's your path? Okay. You're not going to like my answer. It's going to depend on the person. Yeah, yeah. And and why they're asking the question. Yeah. Uh, if if I have somebody who is struggling with a particular sin, mm-hmm. then I want to address that question. And what does Paul say for ex- sexual sin, for example? Here's what Paul says. He doesn't say to try to improve your ability to withstand it. He says to Timothy, run for your life. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, flee from youthful lust. Don't hang around and hope that God's going to take it away from you. Because there's a myth out there that says once you become born again, that God will take away those sinful desires. He may not. Yeah. And you may have a struggle if you are, if you believe you're gay, for example, if you're attracted to same gender sexual relations, becoming a believer doesn't mean that's going to disappear. You may yeah. struggle with that. So what do you do then? You flee from the situation. Mm-hmm, and right. you turn toward Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. If it's a problem with greed, then we deal with that. In other words, what is it that they're struggling with? And we go to the text of Scripture to say, what does Scripture have to say about these issues? 
Mm-hmm. So help me a little bit with, and I, I hope I'm not going like all over the place, but I'm thinking a little bit about Richard Rohr and yeah. the liberal Christian or the emerging church element that is connected here with the Enneagram. Is that kind of, is did it kind of begin to grow in that emerging church yes. movement yeah. and then infiltrate into the modern church because there's really such a non-dividing line because there's been a lack of yes. clarity regarding the inerrancy of Scripture and the truth of Scripture? Yes, it is. You know, you know I, I would argue that they started out with a good idea, which is we need to be more relational. The church had become more corporatized for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and if you think back, Bill Heibel started what he was doing because he thought the church was too inbred, and so we needed to do more reach out. Each of those are a good idea, but then it becomes the thing. Like Maslow said, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm. That becomes a thing, right? <laughs> so the relationship for progressives then uh, expanded to, well, we don't really want to have heavy theology. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. how they drifted away from being biblically sound. Good idea, we need to have relationships. Bad implementation, we do that by not really being doctrinal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well. Let me put a plug out, Don, not only for your book, I've linked the uh, website for enneagramsecret.com mm-hmm. onto the discussion board. We finally got our live stream up and going. We'll make sure when we post it to Facebook that we put a, a plug there, and we're, we're going to run a banner ad since we didn't get to do that this time for our next show, and uh, well, Adam will help set that yes. up. So when yeah. we do our, our, our intro, it runs, but you're hosting a conference there in Chicago. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and uh, some of the individuals. I Unfortunately, we are not going to get to be there, but tell us a little bit about that conference and, and tell us a little bit about Midwest Christian Outreach because I want to make sure I've been blessed by your programs. I subscribe to you on YouTube. I really enjoy listening to you guys. My dad enjoys listening to you guys as well. And so, really? uh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, well, a, he's a rural pastor, been at the same church for 35 years, actually, and uh, listens to you all and uh, enjoys your, uh, he, he listens to the, the YouTube, because I, uh, are you available on iTunes as well, or is uh, the main thing not. the YouTube channel? Okay, the main thing is YouTube and Facebook, and, and uh, we're trying to expand some things, but yeah, the, uh, the YouTube channel is uh, Midwest Christian Outreach, Inc. Uh, we do something on there we call the Unknown Webcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to warn everybody, we don't we do serious topics, but we are not serious as we do it. Uh, <laughs> so we have, as uh, as uh, David knows, we have pretend commercials because we just think some things need to be made fun of. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's no there's no problem with a little satire here and there, so that's all good. Well, yeah, we we do one of one of them we do is uh, is uh, charlatan tissue. <laughs> uh, helps keep the butts in the pew, cleans away all that difficult doctrine, and uh, <laughs> recommended by Joel Osteen himself. Beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful dad jokes, man. I'm all about them. I <laughs> love them. It is. So that's what the webcast does. And we do serious topics. We've done a lot yeah. on crit- uh, critical race theory, for example. And uh, tomorrow we are on live at noon on Tuesdays. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, dialing for dollars in Davos. Hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking about the global reset because we have a couple of our associates who are involved in the Davos conference because hmm. it was over the internet. Hmm. Uh, and so they were at all the sessions figuring out, okay, what are they up to and how is that going to affect us? We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Wow. So, uh, interesting program. Yes. Well, definitely, I will definitely be in my office, right. so I will have to get the live stream of that. And tell us a little bit about the conference that you all are hosting and the dates for that, and if anyone's interested, okay. now make the, sure the I... The dates are April 30 and May 1. It's in Palatine, Illinois. Uh, we are, as you know, it was blown up because of the whole COVID travel, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but at this point, I, James uh, Bjornstadt, is going to be there. Uh, we have a, a couple from uh, uh, 1776 Unite. I don't know if you know what that is, but 
Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very good Bob Woodson put this organization together dealing with uh, the history of blacks in the United States uh, and laying out what actually happened. You know, I don't know if you know, they had like Black Wall Street. They they did very well financially for a long time, uh, even in spite of Jim Crow laws. So they do Mm -hmm. that. But the individuals are going to be dealing with critical race theory. Yeah. So one of the themes at the conference is critical race theory. One of the themes is reclaiming education. Hmm. Uh, and one of the themes is uh, Eastern mysticism in the church, hmm. Enneagram being one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Because yeah, I know uh, uh, just for our listeners, uh, Dave and I were going to be a part of this ISCA conference. And because of all the restrictions and all that kind of stuff, you know, that's why that's not happening. That's why there's this Don's conference happening. Yeah. So um, I'm grateful right. for you. Yeah. Like, under, Don, as you yeah, talk about it, I'm like still so torn. I wish that I could be there. I'm not joking. There's like a cognitive discomfort in me uh, as I'm thinking, like, oh man, that sounds so good. Uh, yes. Will anything be available live streamed from that by any chance? I'm going to work on that. Okay. But if they go to our website, midwestoutreach.org, uh, mm-hmm. as we as this develops, there's nothing on there about this at the moment, but as we uh, proceed, we will add stuff on. While they're there, if they want to, they can sign up. We have a weekly e-letter that goes out, the crux, that you know about that, uh, which also links back to our blog. And so everything happens there, our blogs and, and uh we do a variety of topics on there. So this week we're dealing with Dr. Michael Brown mm. and his defense of false prophets. So hmm. that'd be really good. So yeah, it's, it sounds like, you know, there's, there's just ample, ample uh, information that you guys have um, being useful um, ministers and with your gifts and everything. So it's, uh, we, we thank you uh, for, for your work um it's awesome that we get to um work with you um you had dave on the show so if you guys haven't checked that out dave was on their show and we've linked to it on our timeline stuff we can give those links back so you know there there is a connection that's made between tag your it and uh you said what is your podcast i, I it's eluding me what's Unknown. the name? The unknown. unknown webcast. Yeah, the unknown, unknown webcast. webcast yeah. yeah, that's right. And I know uh, it was awesome uh, that uh, Dave my, said. My, my, start, my starting line is, I'm so conservative, I can't turn left even when I'm driving. <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah, so yeah, Dave was a part of the co- the podcast. And it's one of those things we've got the shared uh, ministry. We've got these uh, shared uh, loves, uh, mainly for um, just making sure that, uh, hey, if there's something scary that's coming to the church that we need to warn people about, this is the... This is whenever the apologist kicks in, and this is where we should all, again, Peter's uh, command for this is extended to everyone. So this isn't an office, again. Right. Um, this is, should be to where everybody matures to to be able to give an answer um, for the hope that lies within them and to contend for the faith um, is for everyone that is a believer in Jesus Christ. And um, we fight off these wolves and keep them out. Um, like stuff like the Enneagram. And and uh, so this is very important information uh, in this episode. They're going to have more. Get the book and read it as well and uh, familiarize yourself because it's in here. And uh, because we all like to at least take Facebook personality tests, even something simple like that. Um, this right. can help stuff like this creep in um, because it just seems like it might be that, but you don't know the full story. So thank right. you, you for you that get, full story. Right. You, you get conditioned to it. Mm-hmm. And what, what we have found, you're asking about how is this getting out? What we have found is individuals in churches, the lay people are going, there's something wrong here. And when they go out and do a search, they come across our book and they read it. They go, now I get what the problem is. Yeah. Uh, some have been effective to warn their churches. Others, though, have actually been asked to leave the church hmm. uh, because the, the church is intent on doing it and they don't want anyone disrupting it. Yeah, that's that's so, sad that this divides, <laughs> but truth yeah. ends up dividing. So, I got on the MidwestChristianOutreach.com or Midwest outreach.org sorry and i pulled up your articles that you were talking about and i'm excited to read them and include them in my my next paper don i'm so grateful one of the things it just encourages me so much about you here you are a, a guy who did not go and get a formal degree in apologetics uh, i love how you say you're homeschooled 
Uh, mm. To me, apologetics only works if it's done in the church and it's churchmen doing it. I mean, I obviously am a pastor who loves apologetics. It's it's a hobby for me, uh, but it's also part of, of my calling as a pastor. Like, every pastor is an apologist. Every Christian is an apologist. Right. Here you've taken this calling on your heart, and you have been able to produce something that's so useful for the church. And, and my goal is always that people in the church would say, hey, there is something that is needed to, I can speak into a, a true need or a true problem in the church. And your book is an amazing example of that. It blindsided me, uh, this whole issue. I didn't know anything about it. And then there's people that I trust that are they're advocating for it. Mm. And I had no clue, but something, I will say, something told me, that's not right. You know, I, I believe a, a spiritual discernment gave me that ability, you know. Uh, and what I love about you is your example. Adam is is like you in that he's a, a homeschooler in apologetics, and everyone should be a homeschooler in apologetics. So, Absolutely, sure. I want to thank you for your program. I am going to pray that the conference goes well. Again, mm. man, I'm like... It is, I'm pained that I can't be there. And I, and I mean that sincerely. I'm like, oh man, uh, we, I will, we will try to get you on here again. Uh, I want you to come to my church sometime and speak too, uh, but you're a little oh, ways away. <laughs> but we'll hopefully, you know, you come back to Missouri, we can do that again. But I want to thank you so much for coming on the Tag Your It podcast. And I want to thank you for your ministry and, and your example in ministry. It means a lot to me. Uh, and, um, can't wait to get to see you face to face again. Uh, what a blessing that will be! So It'll be fun. We end our podcast in a good reformed manner, so you'll get a good, good kick out of this. And in in, in heaven, Doctor Geisler will be laughing uh, as you <laughs> you have to end in a reformed way. We we end by saying "Soli Deo Gloria," and our our the last person, which will be you, will say that. So we'll say this is the tag you're at podcast. You'll say he's Adam. I'll say I'm Dave. You'll say you're Don, and then he'll go "Soli Deo." And you'll end with a Gloria for us. But you have to have a good guttural, you Some. know, Gloria to, to end it for us. So, uh, is that all right? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> all all right. right. Well, guys, uh, thank you uh, for uh, being with us on the live cast during all the technical difficulties and everything that you missed. Um, you know, if you're listening to this on the podcast, it's because you probably were on the live cast. <laughs> and now you're listening to the full podcast <laughs> that we have produced and put up. But anyway, thanks for hanging in there uh thank you um uh for for your ministry thank you for coming on the show and spending time with us don and with that said this is the tag your it podcast i'm ray ray and i'm dave and and i'm don and soli deo gracias <laughs> 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 or, or Gloria. <laughs> <laughs>